right, everyone, welcome to another amazing episode of the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass. I have a esteemed guest, a fellow Jarhead, Marine Knuckle Dragger, Crayon Eater, Derek Keller with me today. What's Derek, up, welcome. How are you? Good, man. How about you? I'm doing great. We also have the amazing, wonderful Giselle who makes everything happen. Hello, Giselle. How are you? I am good. So this is interesting. I think you and I, no, I think you and I met maybe four or five months ago now yep. about there. And we met through a company when I'll, I'll give them props, Mojo Global. You, you do you still work with Mojo? No, nope. nope, let Mojo go. Okay, no worries. I, I still Mojo helps me with my newsletter. They're they're not doing appointments for me, but they do they do work and they do make connections. Hence you and I are connected and we're friends. I consider you a friend. Do you consider me a friend? All right, cool. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. And my mustache, are we friends too? Love, love the mustache. Love everything. All in. It's good. So that's the power, though, of LinkedIn. So we connected again on LinkedIn. So I just always ask every guest when you come on, are you an actual client of mine or Strategic Wealth Endeavor? No. Nope, not. So cool. So everything, this is, there's no bias. There's no angle. There's no compensation. It's just we're here. Two Marines, now friends, both ginger beards, ginger beards with a little snow in them. Right. My son says, right? That he's he's quick to point that out now. Uh, but that's life, right? So with that... And then you and I went a different direction because I'll, I'll let you share kind of what you do, but we now both have the same. Well, did you, did you take the test? Are you official? Can I? The test. I'm, I'm official. I'm, I'm you're a, you're a, see a SEPA too. So I have to, which side am I on? Wait, is it this? Yeah, it's this side, the SEPA. We're both SEPAs there. So we have to get yours in the background too, which is a certified exit planning advisor. And I'll let you talk more about that because it's more fresh for you than it is for me. And yeah. we'll talk about some round table stuff like that we're doing with the SEMA out here. But welcome, man. Welcome. So tell a little bit about what you did in the Marine Corps, and then we'll kind of jump into what we're doing professionally now. Marine Corps is pretty easy. I mean, when you imagine Marine, like what, what you think a Marine would be, that's what I did. I was just a grunt. Just a, like you said, knuckle dragon grunt, man. I just went and, went and did the shit. Served in uh, Okinawa. We crossed paths at some point in Lejeune, right? You, we, didn't, we never what met. What years? What we're, years? We were in I was 99 to 03. Yeah, I was 98 through 02, so we're just one year one year off. How old are you now? How old are you now? 41. Young buck. Young buck yep. still. You went on the officer side. I went on the enlisted side. You might have actually went to OCS or something with a, with a couple of my officers, kind of McPhillips and Zumo. Probably been so long. And yeah. Saw a face, saw a name. We all kind of blended in, had no hair, and were wearing <laughs> BCGs back then. And BCGs were cool. And, yeah, uh, none of this digital stuff. No, no, we didn't have that. We had leather boots and right. you would actually still iron and start your camis and go for like a 10, 15 mile hump. And Dude, I'm what a you did. firm believer in polishing your boots. The, thing, the things that, that polishing your boots can teach you. <laughs> my boots are actually still right over there. I still have my, my last boot band when I took my socks off and, and undid my boot bands for the very last time. That was July 1st, I think, of 2002 are still in my my boots and it took and my polish i have i still have my boot actually you know what here here's my boot brush i still have it, it still says henderson from like from ocs or T, whatever it's still mine this is my boot brush from back in the day i used to use the, to brush my business shoes now but I, once in a while i'll just need a black boots for like a costume or something for halloween i'll throw on my leather cadillacs and just the same shoe polishes or boot polish has been on those boots since 2002 i go <sighs> And hit it, and boom, they still shine right up. So that's a little bit of a digression. But any jarhead here that's old school like us would understand what I'm talking about. But the boots yeah. still fit and still wear them, still have the, the boot bands. Yeah, you probably just got rid of the boot band indents on your calves. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? That was sexy. Yeah. That and, I think it was sexy between that and the, the cover tan line when you would go out. And then checking all like the Lance Corporal's wives for their ring tan. Yeah. When they would go on the weekends. Like, all right, you're married, but you say you're not married, but that, your ring tan line gives it away. Uh, uh, yep. The Marine things. We can talk about this stuff all day. This is more fun than the business stuff, right? This is, right. This is memory lane. Yeah, the whole new group of girls every six months. Right. And Giselle's looking at us with disgust. She's like, Well, you get to business stuff. So so for our listeners now, we should probably do that. Right. So now we we both actually on a similar path now, both blew stuff up for a living. Now we try and help businesses not blow things up. Right. right. Is that a fair Absolutely. assessment? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. You know, like the, the simple statement, exit planning is, is what? Just good business planning? That's exactly it. And I try and do it with Giselle. 
you know, and she yells at me for all my ideas, but that's, that's what we're trying to go. And I really love the 90 day sprints, but actually let's, what were you doing first? And then let's talk about why we collaborated. Why well, I said, you should do a SEPA because you're kind of already doing SEPA and then share, share what you're doing first. And then how SEPA, is it augmenting your practice and, or what value does the SEPA now bring to your entrepreneur clients? Because ultimately anyone listening is like, shut up, give me some business nuggets. Give me something good about my business. So with what you're doing before, explain what you're doing before in your business. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about how SEPA hopefully has ex- accelerated your business and provide additional value that you're bringing to your business owner clients. Right. So, so the biggest thing, the biggest thing that SEPA probably, okay. So let's start with what I, what I did before, which is exit momentum and battlefield boardroom. I have two companies that kind of run congruently battlefield boardroom faces more towards veterans and exit momentum is more towards like everybody They're They're both business operating systems and leadership and sales type coaching. The way that we ran it before was similar to what EOS did, where we would come in, we'd do fit meeting and then go into our implementation phase, then go into execution phase. Still running very similar. Uh, The difference is with SEPA is it showed me the networks that you could really use, like building a team around you instead of trying to do it all yourself. And knowing that you don't you don't need to get all the qualifications, you can bring in a wealth advisor, you can bring in accountant and uh, these big business accounts and these attorneys that are that are really, you know, and, and really start to piece together a team around to support and then running that triggering event and then building from there. So what's the purpose? Sorry. So the purpose of all this. So if you're a veteran entrepreneur and you're listening, you said a whole bunch of things. I was like, yeah, but what what does that do for me? Right. So, so the biggest thing that it brings for you is gives you the opportunity to step out of the business and start working on the business and build the the structure inside of the business to where it's actually has value to it. When, when you look at the majority of entrepreneurs out here right now, they're all, all just inundated with the business. And when you're stuck inside of the business and you can't seem to figure out how to build the structure and step out of the business, start leading the business, your business really isn't worth anything. You really don't have a business. You just have a job. Well, it's a practice. You could have a practice. Right. Right. No, no, seriously. And, and yeah. I have a fine financial advisory practice. Mm-hmm. If I quote, quote, stepped out today, does it exist? No. Without me. And that's a practice or a job, so to speak. So helping an entrepreneur turn their practice or their job into a legitimate business that has sustainable value mm-hmm. and a life beyond you. Is, right. is the goal. And then what's the caveat? So why would anyone care about that? Why would any veteran entrepreneur, it's my business when I'm gone, I don't give a shit. Or, or would they care? Why well, would they care? Why should an entrepreneur care? I mean, the reason why you should care is because things happen, right? Strokes, God forbid a stroke. Things happen as far as injuries, get, getting hurt and not being able to show up to work. If you can't show so up- So a disabling work, event, a disabling event can happen. Yeah. Any disabling event happens. It hurt you and you can't produce, right? If you're looking to step out of the business or pass the business on, the more structure and and organization that you have with it brings the value up of the business. I mean, really that's, that's like the, the main, main things is disaster or, or really you're, you're trying to step out and get some time back, buy some time back. Um, It could be, could be one of several reasons. So if you're a boomer, right, if you're older, a lot of this designation, the SEPA program really came out because all the baby boomers were getting older and were getting ready to retire and they had no succession plan. They're in their 70s and their 50-year-old kid wasn't ready to take over the business in right. their mind. And so it's the design the program is designed to help fix that. Cause if the business is in the owner's head, it's if your business is all in your head and you're gone, there's no business. So right. how do we take everything out of your head, get it down and build SOPs for everything? Mm-hmm. Have a book. For everything. So someone, you're gone. Someone walks in. How do I do X? Oh, step one, two, three, four, done. How do I do Y? One, two, three, four. So you don't have to be there. Anyone can walk in ideally off the street. There's not too much of a knucklehead and can run it because you've built the system, built the procedures, built the processes. That's it. And then, well, what does that do? If you have a business and then it's measurable, it has as you said, value, then how do you multiply that value? So if you sell a business or you look at a value or you, excuse me, you look at a business and one has a certain value, let's just say it's three times EBITDA, EBITDA. 
And then another one has eight times EBITDA. Why? Why is one, you know, three, three X and the other one's eight X. Right. Which one would you rather be? Documented intellectual capital and, and human capital inside of the business, really. Right. And so if you can maximize that, you maximize the owner's payday if when they decide to sell. But then the big issue also for the owner is that, hey, are, I have two kids. Do either one of them want the business? Does one want the business? The other one doesn't want the business. And if I sell it, is it fair for one and not the other one? Or maybe my kids aren't good. Is my management team strong? Should I leave it to the management team? Should I look at an ESOP? Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not. I don't know. Maybe they're just there for a job and they don't want to take over and they're fine with their nine to five and their paycheck. Do we look at a strategic buyer? Like all these different areas. So you went from, this is why I think this is really good for you. You went from doing operations coaching and sales coaching, which is a, you're you're in the business trying to help one area, but now you, you can see the benefit in a bigger picture of where your technical, your technician aspect of helping the operations, helping sales stabilize, build the SOPs, grow and prosper, how that helps the business overall increase, increase the business value itself. So you put that together, I think it's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the the just just the businesses alone that don't have the proper structure set up and don't have any, anything set up as far as after anything does happen, whether they sell, something happens to them or, or whatever, like what's the structure that that's going to go on or a partner wants to separate there's there's what's the structure of your business what is your operating agreement most of them don't even have an operating agreement and do you have a partner and the main thing too we look at the first step in the process is reducing risk mm -hmm. right if there's if you and i are partners in business you're gone and you're married and we're 50 50 partners your wife takes your halves so now i'm in business with your wife right is that what i want well is there a buy sell agreement in place is there so if you're gone I get money, so I have a life insurance policy on you, so I get money so that I can buy your wife out and your wife can go shopping or whatever she wants to do. She doesn't run the business anymore. So it's reducing risk. The first step in the process is reducing risk. So what risk do you have? Acknowledging those risks, either you self-insure or you insure. Yeah. And if you don't get insurance for it, you're self-insuring. So if that happens, is that what you want to do? I don't know. That's the easiest thing to do because you can really buy insurance from most of these risks. And, and you can de-risk. That's the first step in the process. Right. So with that, what are you seeing now with your existing clients that you had even before the SEPA? What were their number one challenges? And when why were they engaging you? And what were you working on before the SEPA? And then now they have the SEPA. Has that conversation changed and or how has it changed? Yes. The, one, there, there's definitely been some, some big things that have come up as far as the the way that they're structuring their business and the way that they're structuring their operating agreement, what happens in, in any case of death or dismemberment or disability. That's definitely one thing that came up that I really started to look at and, and really bringing other people into the network as far as, Hey, how, how can I help these guys really get focused on different things that I'm missing? Not thinking that I know it all and, and trying to, trying to bring more, more heads to the table. The businesses that I've been working with in the past, most of them have went from, I mean, just for instance, I have this company called Pat's Plumbing out in Topeka. They are a plumbing company. They're also a veteran owned company. Awesome. We, we took them from two and a half million to four and a half million in less than six months, just by- In sales? Yeah, in revenue. Awesome. Just by getting the organization in line and making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? Right person, right seats making sure they're doing the right things, holding them accountable, just, just pushing and, and getting the, the playbooks in place or SOPs. We, we really like to, with exit momentum, we like to bring SOPs down into more of like a playbook to that two or three page document that you can reference an SOP because most people won't end up even reading the SOP if it's too big. Of, of course. So, so with that, let's chat about that. So something I have taken away and we've tried to slowly implement in our own business and practice, it's just Giselle and I, plus our all our coaches. We've got so many coaches, it's ridiculous. So that's another thought for entrepreneurs out there. If you don't have the bandwidth or the revenue to bring in a full team, you can bring coaches in for a nominal amount to help you in any one of those areas. Right. So if you're not organized, bring an operations coach. If you don't know how to sell, hire a sales coach. You don't have to bring in a head of sales. You don't have to hire someone full time. You can hire a coach. And there are coaches out there, veteran or not veteran, sell for hundred to several thousand dollars a month, 
versus 80, 100, 150,000, 200,000 a year for some of these professionals. Right. So you can have access to what you don't have, what knowledge capital you do not have, you can obtain. And there's professionals out there that are happy to share that knowledge with you for a nominal fee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's almost like a fractional salesman. It is exactly fractional. Like there's all kinds of fractional ones out there. It's it's insane. No, I mean, just sharing our own practice. And I don't know well what Mojo was. Mojo is kind of a sales fractional coach, right? And they're booking appointments for you on LinkedIn. And, and now they're actually helping me with copy for our newsletter. And, and I still engage them for that. And our newsletter is going to come out. It's about veteran suicide and stopping it. It's going to be amazing this month. So look, look out for that. I still use Mojo for helping me with that copy. I mean, I'll, I'll share, we have, we do have an operations coach to keep us organized, keep Giselle and I organized. I have a sales coach just to polish me, <laughs> right? Cause I need, I need as much help as I get with that polish. Uh, I have a LinkedIn coach that helps me with our webinars every month. When I had different staff, I had an HR coach, like consultant slash coach. So you don't have to have a full-time HR person. And if you don't like the support from like an ADP or paychecks, where they try and throw everything at you for one price, you can go out and find these coaches or fractionals on your own. And they're good people. And a lot of them, if you determine another need, have other ones. So if you're a veteran entrepreneur, you don't have to be there on your own. Right. I'm sure that you have a whole black book in old, old speak, right? A black book. <laughs> Just I was like, what's that? Ro what's a black Rolodex. <laughs> Rolodex full of. Which is like, what's that too? Yeah. She doesn't know what that is either. Right. And you're younger than me. Why are you throwing that stuff out there? Come on. I, I used them all. <laughs> like, like, have you had an old school nano iPhone or the nano pod player? The nano, what was that thing? The nano, remember the mini? Yep. The mini. I don't even know what that thing is. Come on. You remember the little small iPod phone no, thing? No, I know. I, I had a nano. I, like, I, I had a nano. Okay. I had like, the little mini okay, good. Like, clippy thingy, the little iPod. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Now, if I throw like Rubik's Cube, she's like, what's a Rubik's Cube? No, I know okay. what that uh, is. We both have, have a huge network full of coaches and and, and network of, of people that we've actually used personally and vetted that I'm sure we'd be happy to share their information with anybody who's listening. Oh, yeah. And too, well, what do we do every month? So the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass isn't just a podcast. It's also a group. Right. And so it, it's going to happen that way. And so you and I are in that group. So it's all professional. Just let, let whoever's listening know if you're a veteran entrepreneur and are looking for partners or other professionals that are also veterans that get it and that have passed the no asshole rule. That's my rule. You can't be in the group if you're an asshole. I'm the, I'm the biggest one in the group and I don't think I'm too big. Giselle will probably disagree. But uh, we're all there and we're there to help each other. And you have a question. Someone throws something. We have a Slack group. Hey, what about this? Boom, 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 boom. Everyone answers. And everyone has a different perspective and everyone has a different experience. So I love it. Actually, Giselle and I talk about it because we um, I had a post on it. I'm going to slight sidebar, but it comes back to it. And it's back to this. One of the my videos I did is my pet peeve is Calendly. Mm. The Calendly battle. My Calendly's better than your Calendly. And so you say, hey, let's have a call. And so, oh, sure. Here's my Calendly. Book a call. Oh, will you actually use my Calendly? What? I think you want to have a meeting. Here's my Calendly. No, no, no. But here's my Calendly. Well, no, no, no. Here's my Calendly. Well, my Calendly. It's like, what is this Calendly chest puffing? I don't understand. It is so stupid. I was chatting with Sam, who's in the group, Sam Medina, and he, he was on the podcast too. Awesome dude. Super smart dude. And we just talked about it. And then he sent me a screenshot. It's like, sure, let's have a conversation. Here's my Calendly link. And the guy responded, oh, thanks. But could you use my Calendly link instead? I was like, oh, my God. Like, we need to make an, a whole episode just on Calendly etiquette, I think. And and people blow themselves up. I had one dude courting me. And then I'm going to turn over to you. Sorry. And I had to. I guess I should digress and sh tell you both. I'm drinking my pre-workout right now. So I'm catching myself amping up as the podcast goes on. Because <laughs> I, I had to take my son to school this morning. And I've been in the car for five hours. I haven't worked out yet. So... This is my pre-workout crack drink. It's three different pre-workouts and this green food stuff. So as I drink it, I'm like, yeah. I'm Cornholio, but it's good. So, oh yeah, it's it, it's really good. And plus, I was telling before, I don't, it's funny. It's my podcast. I can laugh at myself. So Giselle's kind of cringe, but now that I have the mustache, I can have a big sip and the mustache kind of stores a little here. So I go, and I can have some more later on. So the mustache is dual. It's like, I'm like a camel. It's like, I have my own camel hump now. This is awesome. So do you want to work with me? reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Grow, <laughs> grow a mustache first. Right. <laughs> so that the part of the group, again, going full circle, 
Calendly LinkedIn's one thing. I had a gentleman reach out and I liked what he had to say and I was willing to chat with him. And I said, sure, okay. And he was trying to ask me to join some group to do some stuff. So before I get married to you, let's have a phone call and make sure we're both decent human beings. That's my number one thing. If you want to have a 15 minute call with me, I'm not going to do anything with right. you. And he's like, and like, here's my Calendly link. And he did that. Oh, here's my Calendly link. I'm like, dude, you're done. You're done. Bye. And I told him like, look, if you can't even book a call and you're chasing me and you got what you asked for, you want to have a call with me, you're chasing me. Sure, I'll have a call with you. And then you try and make me do more work. You're done. You're done. So Calendly Etiquette 101, if you want to have a meeting with someone and someone offers you their calendar link, eat your Calendly humble pie, shut up and book the meeting on their calendar. Dude, I'm so happy when somebody like here, here, here's sales training 101. Okay. If somebody gives you their Calendly link, how easy is it going to be to follow up with that person? You just keep booking calls. <laughs> like there's like, how could you, if, if you're going to give me your Calendly link, that's like the, the secret keys to the kingdom. I'm going to call you every day until you say yes. <laughs> so oh, you keep booking every day. Right, yeah. You see someone has like an eight hour day. Book, 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 book. Okay. It's 15 minutes later. You're ready to buy 15 minutes later. You're ready to buy 15 minutes later. You're ready to buy. Yeah. So, so keep that in mind when you're sharing your Calendly link that, if you're sharing it with me, I'm gonna book it until you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just changed my calendar link. Can't no no more for Derek, which is good. No, but so let's go back to the SEPA and what you do as an operations coach and sales professional. And also, I think for a veteran entrepreneur here, one of the easiest things that we took away, that I personally took away, which Giselle and I are trying to implement right now, are the 90-day sprints. Right. So for the what they call the value acceleration method, think of value acceleration. You're trying to accelerate the value of your business. That's what every entrepreneur wants to do. That's what I want to do. That's what you want to do. 100%. So, okay, how do you accelerate the value of your business? Well, there's when you do a full assessment, there's so much to do. There's your huge elephant in front of you. But how do you eat an elephant, Giselle? One bite at a time. Good job. Good job. I know that one. Good job. All right, good. One bite at a time. So, okay. So with that, you want to turn a ship, a huge ship in the ocean. You can't just hit the rudder and er, it doesn't turn on a dime. It takes time. It's got momentum, right? So break down to maximize the value of a business. Normally it's three to five years. Right. To really get everything down, it's three to five years. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the first step is the analysis. But once you have your analysis done and you kind of have an idea of what all needs to be done, then a great analogy they use in the training I'll let you share, Derek, if you remember, it's the bucket. And what goes in the bucket first? What takes up the most space in the bucket? Do you remember the analogy? Or maybe they changed the training since I went You're through talking it. Talking like the rocks? The, yes. Go through that. Do you remember that? Yeah, do you I want mean, me to keep going or do you got it? Right. It's uh... no pressure. <laughs> have the rock Have the rock story down. No pressure. I, I don't have the rock story down, but we train from this from a similar. Uh, I've always trained from the similar standpoint, which is you got to have your main rocks in in the system. So like the the main big things that you've got to accomplish, got to hit the hit the bucket first. Then you can pour in the sand. Then you can pour in the pebbles, and and it'll start to fill up all the way up to the top. But the sand and the pebbles are going to represent more of like the everyday things, the the urgent and important things that pop up on your calendar, rather than the urgent and not important. So like it's, it, it, I'm trying to remember. Was it Jim Collins that originally came up with it, or was it? I don't, I don't remember who. That's a, that's unimportant. What matters is you got your bucket. Yeah, you want to fill the bucket up. Throw big rocks in at first. Want to take control of the way that you're operating rather than than playing a game of whack-a-mole and just playing the things that come at you, right? Like you you want to show up and you want to have your day organized and, and hit the things that you want to hit and not just take a whole bunch of stuff to the face. Right. And with that, though, with the 90-day sprint, the easy thing in business is to be busy but not yet mm -hmm. efficient. So I would love just to sit there and just run my day by my inbox, if I just go through my inbox, we can all do it. We can just look at our inbox. Oh, I'm really busy. I'm, oh, an email came in. I have to do this. Another email. I have to do this. Oh, I'm so busy, busy, busy. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you're efficient or effective. Right. So, so many people hide in busy work, try to look effective inside of busy, busy work. And the way that we do things is we, we really want to get people organized and get them, get them focused on the, on the tasks that actually build the business, right? That work on the business. So we build things such as 
we call them rocks. And then from the rocks, you break it down into milestones. But the way that we build rocks is off of the direction of the business, right? So like we look at a three-year outlook, we look at a two-year outlook, we look at a one-year outlook, and we start to build out the rocks of how we're going to get there, right? So we build what's called a strategic execution or strategic vision execution plan. So we put your, your vision of where you're going and, and into an actual plan. And, and so you have a plan of where you're going and then we revisit it every year and make any course corrections that need to be made to get you where you want to go. That's, that's one level. So I'm going to take it even one level down for anyone listening as an entrepreneur. It's even easier. So every 90 days, you got to sprint every three months, every Mm -hmm. quarter, you got to sprint and you can generally do two or three big things in a quarter. That's it. So whatever this quarter is coming up, what are your two or three big things you're going to do this quarter beyond the busy work to change the course of your ship, right? So those are the 90-day sprints. And you get two big things done this quarter, awesome. Next quarter, two more big things. Next quarter, two more big things. So over the course of a year now, you've done you know between eight and 12 potentially big things that have really changed the direction of the ship. It may not seem like it while you're in it, but after the course of a year, if you actually find them, do them, and stick by them, you are changing the direction of that ship. That's the value acceleration methodology. So it seems a lot, the huge elephant in front of you, but again, two or three big things each quarter and every company, every person can do two or three extra things to change the, the direction, to change the momentum of their business. And if you do that religiously, that's how you're increasing the value that's a value acceleration methodology it's really what it comes down to is just doing a couple big things each and every quarter but actually doing it because if you talk about it and don't mm-hmm. do it, it it doesn't matter so giselle and i we got i got all excited when did my sema training like okay let's do it sema wrong designation sepa training i've got the sema too i've got too many damn designations that's a problem of being an underachiever i guess so yeah so with that you know giselle and i sit down and it's interesting though the difference of mindset for entrepreneurs listening, your mindset as the owner versus that of your staff and or employees. So when you and I are sitting there thinking about our business and implementing changes to increase the value of our business, to have it be worth more, more profitable, more valuable in the future. What Giselle, what do you hear when I come in? Oh, we got to do this and this and this. What do you hear Giselle when you hear me say that? I... Well, I have to see what the the goal of the idea is. Well, normally in your mind, like wh- what am I thinking? Yeah, you can be real. Just be real. Cause I know what your honest answer is. Say it. Just say the truth. <laughs> it's another. It's another shiny object. Where are you going to take this? However, normally when I throw those ideas at you, go, oh, it's more work. Oh, it's work. The employee mindset, it's work. Or the owner's like, ah, oh, we're adding value to the business, but the person has to do it, views it as work. So what does that mean for you, the entrepreneur? What must you also do? You must have buy-in from your team and they have to see why you're doing this. Remember in the Marine Corps, in the military, no matter what branch, you got a stupid order you had to do. Why am I doing this? This is so stupid. They don't know anything. They're all morons up there. All the people up there, they, 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 the infamous they. They got me doing this. They got me doing that. And because you didn't understand the big picture or where you fit in, which is a failure of leadership. Right. So if you want your staff to be a team and not just a staff, but you want them on your team and they feel they're part of your team, they must understand the big picture. They must understand the goals. They must understand where the direction of the business is going and why. And once they understand the why, and hopefully it's a good cause besides just to make you money. Right. Hopefully it's more than that. Hope make make them some money, have them have a better lifestyle in the future too. Then you'll get the buy-in. When you're asking them to do work, something new, because what is something new? It's change. Right. And everyone hates change. So talk about that. How do you, as a, as a coach, as a consultant for your clients, when you have, when you see work needs to be done, which includes changing something, how do you get buy-in from your clients and their team? Well, I mean, usually they're bought in because they're, they've hit some sort of a ceiling, right? Some sort of a ceiling where they're not, they're not growing, they're not expanding they're or they've hit, or they're trying to scale and don't really have the people. So it's it's usually pretty easy to get their buy-in, but to get their employees buy-in is is where it gets where it gets a little tough. 
because they've all been brought idea after idea, thrown thrown this, thrown that, and most of them are whispering in the back saying, hey, don't worry. If you just hang in there for two weeks, he'll forget about it. <laughs> so they just they just kind of go. Oh, Giselle's like, uh huh. Right. So the so they they're really just waiting for you, to, waiting for it to fail, and almost helping it along the way failing. So like you said, much to what you said, getting them bought in on the on the strategic vision of the company. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? Like having the big the bigger purpose and why, right? So having the right people in the right seats, doing the right things then giving them a bigger purpose of why they're doing it, driving them towards the playbooks, like giving them, giving them an actual playbook of how they could win the day. Are you driving them towards the playbook or are you motivating and incentivizing them so they want to go to the playbook? Well, ultimately, when you look at most businesses, most people don't know that they've failed your expectations until they've already failed them, right? So we have to drive them towards the playbook first and show them exactly, hey, this is what you're accountable for. This is who you are and what you should be doing. Give them, give them clear expectations of how they can win the day. Then give them a scoreboard to actually track it. And if they have a scoreboard to actually track it and they can look every day and say, hey, you know what, I'm winning the day, they, they actually start to buy in on the process and what you're, what you're trying to do. And ultimately drives the profits of the company. I think we're saying the same thing, but differently. Right. I, I, I'm viewing it as... You can't, Giselle, I, I can be a bulldozer. I can just drive. So when you say drive, I have to be conscious, conscientious of that because I can run people over. It's my personality. I'm an A, I'm a dominant driver. I'm an alpha. And so I have to be like, I just have an idea. I'm just trying to get stuff done. And I don't realize that I'm running people over in front of me that are on my team sometimes. And because I just don't see it because my mind doesn't work that way. And it's hard for me to take a step back. So I am conscious if you're a veteran entrepreneur and you're a type a this may be you too so if you're listening to this this may apply to you you have to be aware of your strengths that can also be weaknesses personally and mm -hmm. professionally and if you run over your team your team's not going to be loyal right they're gonna be like why well, just ran me over why well, i'm not going to step up for you just ran over me my, you've broke my foot with the bulldozer right so when you say drive them to so, it my, what triggers me to not actually push or drive but more motivate incentivize so they want to go that direction versus you pushing them there that direction so you, we, we think of drive in two different ways i think i think personally that motivation shit i think that motivation is something that lasts it's it's a flash in the pan and gets people started i think drive is what carries you through your your own drive not to drive someone right but your own right. internal drive right okay, this is a good clarifying this yeah. is why you communicate yeah. to clarify i'm saying one thing seeing it one way you're saying the same word seeing it completely differently so this is a good good exercise of communication 100 so like when when you look at the the purpose right the purpose is what drives you internally to want to do better to want to do more so the purpose inside of the company is what's going to drive you towards the playbook to get better i love it so with that now, with we'll, we'll use the name of your company that you mentioned before. I don't know if you should do that or not. So I just said no, 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 no. Your client you mentioned before, you, oh. you threw their name out there. But with that company or another company, are your conversations now different versus coming and just having operations and sales versus why are we wanting to strat or to streamline or improve your sales process or why are we wanting to organize your operations or make your operations more efficient because the bigger picture now is, is everyone on board with the direction that your clients are now going? Yes, a hundred percent. And, and, and majority of it comes from just like what we just went through communication, right. And learning how to communicate and start speaking the same language. Like that's one of the first things that we get down on is, Hey, let's, let's figure out what language we're speaking and how we can start to move forward. Right. It's not like the, what was it? The Indian wind talkers. Was it the wind talkers? Yeah, like, I think the the wind talkers. Yeah, so they like back in, the Navajo. Yeah, they would they would be able to communicate across our radios so nobody else could could understand. But we're not going for that in business. We want everyone to understand where we're going. We don't want to be the Navajo wind talkers where nobody understands. Like we get so caught up in in trying to speak this higher language or higher level or trying to speak to our employees from where we're at rather than where they're at. Sometimes we have to we have to think that, hey, you know what? I was there at one point and I need to train from where they're at, not where I'm at. Right. So so with that, let's talk about that. So sometimes if you're an owner and you're wanting to maximize the value of business, 
some owners mentally, oh, I don't want to tell my staff. I don't tell my staff I'm selling. I don't want to do that. If you're a staff person and you know, the boss is your business, right? The business is your boss and you're doing your thing. I mean, all of a sudden, one day he's gone and then Jim or Sarah's there now. Like, what, what? Like, how do you feel? And this, and so Jim or Sarah just bought your business. You now, as a staff doesn't know who you are, why you're there, what happened, how's your staff feel? So what does that actually do to the future of the business if your staff isn't on board? If you're trying to execute a mission and your team's not on board with the mission, how's that mission going to go? It makes it awfully tough, man. You have to you have to start basically from scratch with no nobody nobody affirming that you even know what you're doing, right? So you have to come in and build it from the ground up and build that trust from the ground up. Whereas if you if you actually communicate and say what you're doing and then bring the person in, slowly start to bring them in and let people get used to them and start to show them, hey, these guys do know what they're doing. Your your team can actually pick up and carry on a whole lot faster and and create more momentum. More momentum, hence the name of your business, which is great. So let's let's bring this full circle. Let's bring this full circle. So if you're a veteran entrepreneur, you got an idea, normally you start as a technician first, mm -hmm. right? You normally don't just have a random idea of a new business, a new industry. You normally have some sort of experience and you think of something and that, okay, I can take my experience and my skill set, my knowledge, and I think I can make something different. And you start a business and you build your team around you. You have an advisor too. Okay. And and this is a, this is actually, I think the lesson that I learned from one of the speakers within the SEPA group. I attended a round table last week in Orange County and, and one of the speakers had a really good point. A lot of professionals have one big lever. I do X and that they try and give that lever. It's the lever mm -hmm. and you have to use this lever. This is the only lever and that's what they got. And that rarely, rarely, rarely is one lever, the one and only lever, the best lever. Right. So I love the idea of those who get it and truly are about collaboration versus competition. And if you collaborate more, you can do so much more. This team and part of the SEPA team and the team within the SEPA, he's like, I've got 70 levers for a business owner, 70. And I can dive and I have them all written down. I don't know which one I'm going to pull. I'm going to sit down with you. We're going to figure it out which ones are the best. And we're going to take 70, bring it down to two or three and pull a couple this quarter, pull a couple the next quarter and slowly get things done. And so it's having that collaboration and maybe that lever. I'm not actually the one pulling that lever. I'm going to collaborate with you because I know you're better that lever than I am. That brings what? Better value to our client, right? So it's knowing that, you may be aware, you may have knowledge, book smart, but you don't have the expertise. Do you want the first heart surgeon, the kid who just graduated from medical school? Or do you want the old crusty doc that's done several thousand of these surgeries? The kid's smart, out of school. I don't want to be his first guinea pig, right? I'd rather the guy's got you know 5,000 experiences under his belt. So I'd rather collaborate with that gentleman or woman yeah. to come in and be part of that team to deliver the value to the team. So a warning for a veteran entrepreneur or any entrepreneur, if someone comes to you, oh, this is the lever to use all the time, run away. Right. You've got to have a, a quiver of arrows or several levers or dozens of levers that you can pull to help someone. And if you don't know all of them, you, you should be familiar with those levers are and then have a relationship with a specialist that's the master of that particular lever. What are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And then the the better, the bigger you can build your network, like SEPA, where you have this entire network of people, you can also bring somebody in that they're going to actually hear, right? Because if you don't like me, you're not going to hear me. If if something that I say when we first meet and 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 I set you off, you're not going to hear anything I say, even if it is the exact thing that you need to do that's going to change your business right now. So the, the great thing with the SEPA, with SEPA is, is that you've got this entire network of, of different people that, hey, you know what? I've, I've had time to sit and speak with Giselle. And you know what? I think that Giselle is going to be a great, great fit with Brett. And then we can introduce you too because we know that we know you both. And, and it's at least going to be a, a better intro than just some bringing somebody in and, hey, you know what? This guy's the expert. He's, he's the man. And... You don't like him. So you're just, you're not going to like him. And then you're not going to like me either. 
<laughs> so, so let's talk about that. So we're both SIPAs. Right. So, uh, an entrepreneur listening to this podcast, be like, okay, so what's, should I go to Brett? Should I go to Derek? So we do two totally different things. We're both SIPAs, both have the same designation. And SIPA again is Certified Exit Planning Advisor. We've gone through the training. I'd still consider myself a freshman, sophomore, right? Book smart, got it. Am I executing it all the time? No. Can I recognize when there's potential to use the skill set or bring the process to an entrepreneur? Yes. And that's the most important part. So even when I have been, I have several clients that are now, they've been with me many years. They're selling now. They're in that process now. I'm having the conversation with the bench. Hey, I have a client. Here's their situation. This is what they have going on. What are your thoughts? Ah, lever one, lever two, lever three, this professional, that professional, here you go. So I am not the one to come in for an entrepreneur and sit there for five years and personally walk them through the value acceleration process. That's not me. Where I come in, where my area is at, as a SEPA, is being that quarterback when I acknowledge I find the need for, this, for the value acceleration process to bring in a team to execute that three to five year plan. A lot of times you don't have three to five years because they're already there. Hey, Brett, I'm retiring in, in six months, a year. I'm wanting to do that. I'm like, we could have done a lot more if you brought this to me sooner, right? But you are that person. Right. So you're my value acceleration specialist to come in and spend that time. So I, I wanted to just take him into, even though we have the same designation, we use it differently right. and that's okay. So when you're re reaching out or you're speaking with me, I'm the quarterback on the outside. And then where do I come back in? Once the business is sold, you need help managing the assets. That's where I bring my professional expertise again is, is asset management and managing the assets post sale and or helping your team with the 401k. So when I find an opportunity, I'm like, hey, Derek, you now have the skill set. I'm so I'd like, you have to get this designation because you're already doing that work and it just helped you add another level. Like you must get this des <clears throat> designation. You actually listen to me, which is great too. So what are your, how would you explain? I just explain a relationship and then where are, where do you think and like, how would you explain the different kind of types of SIPAs again and, and when you should be brought in versus where I should be brought in? I think that it explains it. Just go, we could go all the way back to our, to, to the Marine Corps. You're the officer that's overseeing and, and creating this, this team. And you're bringing me in to do some grunt work. You're I'm, the company I'm, gunny. Yeah. I'm you're the company gunny. A platoon sergeant, right? Platoon sergeant just coming in and, and hitting the ground running and, and creating some, some movement inside of the business. So you do all the hard work and I get all the credit, right? That's how the officer right. of this thing works, right? Right. That was tongue in cheek, <laughs> tongue in cheek, but I love people like, yeah, damn officer, big guys, damn officers. Maybe do this, that, right? <laughs> that's really good. That, no, I think that's, I think that's spot on. Yeah. So I think this has been good. I think as you actually take a few companies through this entire process, because I know you just, when did you pass? A couple months ago? Three? Yeah, just. So yeah, you're, you're, you're just augmenting. You're adding it to your skill set, which is great. I, I think it'd be prudent to have you back on probably in a year or so when you actually run it through companies, we could do some case studies, mm -hmm. walk some entrepreneurs through some case studies that you've done. Hey, we saw this, we did this, 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 and here was the outcome. I think case studies are huge in bringing tangible value there. So Derek, if someone wants to reach out to you, have a conversation with you and even just figure out, Hey, sh what is this process? What do they do? How should they contact you? What, and when should someone contact you? First, they can, they can contact me on exit momentum. Dot com. You can go there and hit just hit contact us, or you can email me at Derek Keller dot or Derek at just Derek D E R I C. So Eric with a D <laughs> on uh, at, at exitmomentum.com. I'm sure that meant something different when you were younger, but right. hey. <laughs> <laughs> but really, when when you should bring us in is when when you're either thinking about selling, thinking thinking that you're hitting a hitting a ceiling and you can't find a way through or looking at scaling your business. I mean, that's that's really the big key times when we come in and, and make a huge difference. I think the scaling part is is the foundation, right? So bringing in the foundation, but why are you scaling? It's scaling with purpose. Some people just scale and grow and grow and grow. Like, Brett, you should get other advisors underneath you and just thinking selfishly, not selfishly, but just thinking my own, Evans, like you need to hire more advisors and have this and have that. Like, I don't want that. Right. I want Giselle and I to rule the world. I don't want to have 10 advisors underneath me. I don't want to have to babysit others. I just, I like lean and mean. I like being deep with who I have. Right. And with Giselle and I, we can we can do that with the right 
clients that appreciate and value us. I don't want to have several hundred, several thousand clients. Like what I had to have when I was at UBS just to keep the lights on. But those those days are done. So going deep, very, very deep with a few strategic relationships, I think is huge. And I think so if someone wants to reach out to you, a veteran entrepreneur wants to reach out to you, they should understand that they're thinking of scaling, but they want to know why they want to scale what their ultimate game plan is for that. Well, right. And we're going to help you scale in the right way to where you're not scaling just to scale. You're going to put the right people. You're not going to have, you're not going to just bring in a bunch of people or bring in a bunch of business. That's the biggest one is people bring in a bunch of business. Like they figure out, Hey, I found this sales lever click. And then they're overwhelmed with business and their operations can't keep up and everything starts to fall apart. Right. Well, that's still a good problem to have. I would rather have that problem any every day because that revenue coming in, you have revenue coming in, you can throw money and fix problems. The opposite, I think, is the biggest challenge. You've got this operational infrastructure built, which is costing you money, but you don't have revenue coming in to right. feed it. And then it's cash flow, mm -hmm. right? And ca without cash flow, you're dying. So if you could help someone hit the sales lever, I have too much business. Oh, woe <laughs> is me. Let find any entrepreneur who's like, oh, I have too much business. I'm too good. Like, it doesn't, well, I don't think it happens. I mean, you you tell me too much, you tell me, but it's, you can scale. It happens, you, it happens quite a bit, but what happens is that they, they show up and they, they do a half-assed job is what ends up happening. So then they're having to go back and redo jobs, redo jobs, redo jobs. And as they're going and re redoing these jobs, they're losing other business and ultimately destroying their name. Okay, that makes sense. I could see in a in a skilled trade or something along those lines. I could I could see that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that that's really good. So, so what industries should reach out to you? What industries do do you enjoy working with? I mean, really, just because I'm a grunt, right? I, I really like tradesmen. Any any real tradesman that's out there trying to that has stepped outside of a business and and started to started their own business and they're profitable despite themselves without all the organizational structure and stuck inside of the business, can't seem to figure it out. That's really the guy that, that I really get along with or, or girl that I get along with really well. Um, the, I also do really well with SaaS companies. We've got a SaaS company that we took from 10 million to 120 million in, in the past four years. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we've, we've been able to do and make work. Uh, I think SaaS companies work work with us well because they think in frames so it's real easy to to get them in frames of the way that we're operating i like that this is great so giselle any parting thoughts as you're hearing this you know as you've known derek for a while through the marine group and now you hear me chat a little bit so we have kind of two peers going back and forth here what are your thoughts as you're listening i'm just curious i think my biggest takeaway from today's podcast as you know, an entrepreneur just for entrepreneurs in general is know your why and believe in it so much that you can envision it and then share it with the people on your team because they're going to be the ones that are going to help you get to where you want to be. So really believe strongly in your why. And yes, know your why, have your team. Have buy <laughs> the team has to have buying on your mission. And I, to with that, with that, like you, a lot of companies have the mission statement up the wall or the visionary state. A lot of times it's just BS. It's just BS, but like or for, aspirational, right? Right. <laughs> what, what's your mission statement? Not to put you in the spot. What's your mission statement? Our, our mission statement is to dang it. Now you, ah, you that. <laughs> see that's it. It's just there. If you have to live and breathe it, ours is to position. Our mission is to position you to accomplish yours. Period. That's mine. Like right. I know mine, Giselle knows mine. When I speak with someone, everything I do is to help you. Everything I do is to help you. And for me, I love that. And how who, as we benefit and grow, we make revenue, we could donate more to veterans' causes that can help veterans not shoot themselves. All mm. right. And if my friend Adam is here, if I can help one veteran stay here so we don't lose another veteran, I'm moving the needle. We are moving the needle. And so for us, everything in business comes back to help veterans. That's my why. And it helps me heal from the loss of my friend. So I've got mine down. I could, you, I could be in an elevator. I could be anywhere. I know mine because I live, eat, and breathe mine. And so every business owner should be the same way. It should not just be something on the wall. It should be something simple. Right. It should be easy. It should be the first. It should be on your email signature. Ours is to set people free. To it's, set it's people really, free. 
I like that. Well, set me free, brother. Set me free. You know, it's very good. So this is really good. So Derek Keller, thank you for joining again. If someone uh, wants you. to email you again, your email one more time, brother, or your or your website. You can go to exitmomentum.com. Exitmomentum.com. I recently as, as a jarhead, like I can't spell momentum. Like, how do I spell momentum? Like, that's a big oh, word. I used to be exitm.com. That's what I, if I was you, make it sh short and simple and sweet. Exit M. I'm the big It was mm. not available. Uh, got it. Someone has it. <laughs> and I'm Brett. We're at SWE90.com, S short for Strategic Wealth Endeavor 90.com. Hopefully you guys are, are getting some value here. If you have any questions, comments, reach out. If you have an idea of a guest that you think should be on the podcast that has some knowledge, has some value that will help veteran entrepreneurs, please reach out to Giselle and I. And or if you have a business, you want to thank scale you and grow, for listening to, Derek, to the Veteran like you, Entrepreneur Masterclass Podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button to become notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through IFP Investors LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Strategic Wealth Endeavor INC are not affiliated. The views expressed are that of the host and are for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to buy or sell securities. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. Neither IFP Investors LLC, IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, nor their affiliates offer tax or legal advice. Interested parties are strongly encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax and or legal experts regarding the best options for your particular circumstances. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners.